Hi, so for those of you that don't know me, I run the bone oncology research group up the hill in Headington on the Nuffield Orthopedic Center site. And we are interested in cancers that are metastasized to bone. So what I want to do today is talk to you about why we're interested in, in that and what we're doing in terms of our research. So the why is relatively simple. I mean, if you talk about cancer metastasis, we're really talking about, in terms of solid tumors, breast cancer or prostate cancer, or multiple myeloma, which arises within the bone and behaves in a similar fashion. The main problem is that once these cancers get to the bone, there's really very little that we can do. So the tumor cells are very resistant to treatment. The disease develops very, very rapidly, and the patients are in a great deal of pain. And despite many advances in research and in therapies, there's still really not much that we can do at this stage. And so we are trying to understand the mechanisms involved in disease development so that we can either find new therapeutic ways that we can treat this, and also so that we can try and identify those patients who are most at risk. Because if you take prostate cancer as an example, many men who are diagnosed with primary prostate cancer will undergo treatment and will then be absolutely fine. They will live for decades more and will go, up, go on, like most of us, to die of some completely unrelated cause. However, there is a subgroup of men who their tumor will metastasize to bone, the tumor will grow very rapidly within bone, they will develop an incredibly painful bone disease, and we can't tell you at that time of primary tumor whether that will be you or not. And that's the problem. So we can't identify those patients. We can't begin any kind of therapy early because we just don't know. We just don't have those tools yet. So to put this into context, because you hear a lot these days about we're living longer and we have better diagnostic abilities. Cancer-induced bone disease has been around for decades. It's not a new thing. These are um, examples that were dug up from archaeological um, digs. This is from a grave in Slovakia. And they've helpfully labeled all of the osteolytic lesions. So these are the holes in the bone that are caused by the cancer. All of these, they've helpfully labeled them with arrows here, so you can see all of the holes that the cancer within this bone has caused. This one, I always feel, is a little bit optimistic to actually be a lesion. It looks more like the fact they were smacked on the back of the head with a baseball bat, <laughs> but it wasn't me that put the arrow there. This is a skull that is in the British Museum somewhere, again, nicely demonstrating the extent of these lesions. And this is a nice example. I like to include this one because this is thought to be the second oldest case of metastatic prostate cancer. They've been able to identify this from this mummy because using high-resolution micro-CT, this is the vertebra here, and these white spots here are where there's this increased bone, which occurs very typically with prostate cancer bone metastasis. And not only can they see this, but they've also isolated DNA from these bones and been able to find PSA, prostate-specific antigen. And so they actually have, you know, they, they actually know that this is prostate cancer metastatic bone disease, as opposed to, it might be, but we don't really know. So we've known that this has been around you know, for years and years and years, but we're still trying to find a treatment. Now, in terms of the clinical aspect of it, it does span oh, this quite wide spectrum in terms of the bone disease. 
So some of the tumours that you will get, we call them osteolytic. These are tumours where the tumour will cause bone loss. And this is what you're seeing here. These are all holes in an x-ray here of the skull of a patient with myeloma. The opposite end of the spectrum is osteoblastic, which is typically associated with prostate cancer. This is when you have more bone formed. And so this is what you're looking at here. This is um, increase in bone that's formed where it shouldn't do. More bone is not better. It's not a good thing. This bone is not structurally sound. It's not formed properly. The patients are still predisposed to fracture and to bone pain. And in the middle, you also have examples where patients exhibit signs of both. So this is a patient, I believe, with breast cancer here, where you can see osteolytic lesions, so areas of bone loss here, here, and here as well. But you can also see areas where there's actually increased bone. So it is possible for both to occur. And now, despite the fact that I'm standing here showing you this clinical features that look very, very different from one another, it's interesting because a lot of the mechanisms involved are actually very similar. Now, the reason that cancers go to bone, we know we don't know enough about it because we can't stop it, but we know a lot about it. And we know that tumor cells, these specific tumor cells, particularly breast and prostate, love to grow in bone. And it's this symbiotic relationship. You, know, you see it in nature. So this, you, know, you have your clownfish and your anemone here. Clownfish is the only fish that can survive in these toxic tentacles. Your shark and the remora, where the remora can feed off the shark and also clean, cleans the shark in the process. This is what is happening within the cancer and bone microenvironment. So in this environment, the tumor cells are um, right up against all of the other cells within the bone microenvironment. So these are tumor cells here. These are osteoclasts, which we'll come to in a little bit, but these are the cells that eat the bone. They're very large, they're quite distinctive. They're, they're not actually red, but they're stained red in this example here, and this is the bone surface. And what happens basically once the tumor is in bone is that the tumor, this tumor cell here in this cartoon, releases factors that promote the bone loss. But in turn, the nature of this bone loss releases factors that promote the tumor growth. So the very, the very act of losing the bone releases a huge amount of growth factors from the bone matrix, and these then act back on the tumor cell to promote the growth and survival of the tumor. And this is the problem, because once this happens, you've got this vicious cycle, this reciprocal relationship, whereby tumor promotes bone disease, bone disease promotes tumor, and the whole thing develops very aggressively. Now, we've known this for years, um, decades now, we've known that tumor cells can promote bone disease. We've focused on what I like to call the usual suspects, the key players in terms of bone biology. So the osteoclast I touched on before, this is the cell that destroys the bone. So this is an example, this is an osteoclast here, sitting on a bone surface, so this is the osteoclast. This, what looks like this kind of snail trail that you can see here, this is the bone that it's resorbed. So it sits, it resorbs, it moves along, it resorbs, so it's motile and it will eat bone. Thank you. The reverse of this is the osteoblast. These are the cells that make the bone. So the osteoblast will come in and they will build new bone. And what's important to remember is that this process is, go is going on all the time. It's a natural process to repair microcracks throughout the body. So these cells are always resorbing bone, they're eating bone, but there shouldn't be any major change. So this should be what's normally happening. The osteoclasts come in, they eat the bone. The osteoblasts come in, <coughs> they fill this space in. Job done. And if I'm lucky, these will play. I think I might need to move. <coughs> 
these are just very simple. Let's go back one. Hang on. Ah, okay. There we go. Here we go. Hang on. Here, okay. There we go. No, we don't go. Okay. These sometimes work. They quite often don't. So I like to try. They would have shown you what happens in normal bone, that your bone would be lost and repaired and lost and repaired, but you wouldn't lose anything. This one would have shown you what happens in an abnormal situation. It would have been lost and repaired, but lost and lost and lost, and then the repair would be less, and you'd eventually end up with this kind of network of bone with a large amount of holes in it, which is what causes the bone loss that we see in cancer. So we're interested in trying to identify the mechanisms involved, trying to understand how this happens so that we can find new ways to target it. And like I said, the main um, targets have been the osteoclasts and the osteoblasts. And you can, you can block um, tumor growth and block the bone disease. You can also have this indirect effect here if you can imagine, if you block the bone disease, you can potentially um, inhibit the effect because you're preventing the growth factors from being released. And this is what can happen with drugs like bisphosphonates. But what we're interested in is all of the other cells. So for years and years, we've focused on the osteoclasts and osteoblasts because they're the ones that cause the bone disease. But if you think about bone marrow, all of these other cells are present within the bone marrow, interacting with the tumor cells and they've largely been ignored until the past decade. So these are the cells that we're interested in, particularly at the moment, the stromal cells, which are a bit of a loose term, largely those cells which can turn into osteoblasts and support the growth of the tumor cells, and the fat cells. And so what I wanted to do was just to give you an illustration of some of the work that we do. I don't want to go into any details, but just to give you an example of it. So this is some work that we've done over the past few years. We're still working on this now, which is trying to look at a new drug target in this context. And it doesn't matter really what the drug is here. It's this compound at the moment called L4F. The idea was that we found um, a change in a molecule called adiponectin, and we also found a drug that increased it. So when we treat our preclinical models here with this drug, we see a reduction in tumor burden within bone outside of bone and an increase in survival. And we can also see this change in bone disease. I'm not sure how well these project, but we have better examples up in the, um, the lab up there. So this is where we treat with this drug, we see a loss of bone lesions here. We treat with this drug here and we see an increase in bone. So the work that we've done has led to finding a new target and potentially finding um, a new pharmacological approach as well. Now, the last example I wanted to give is um, partly because I don't know about anyone else, but it's coming up to dinner time. I'm kind of hungry, so just to make you leave here healthily. Um, some work that we've done that started from our looking at fat cells. And this was actually an incredible, incredibly simple experiment to perform. So we used a preclinical model, um, we used a, and we combined our tumor, cancer and bone disease model with diet-induced obesity. And to cut a long story very short, basically found that the high-fat diet promotes the development of tumor and the development of the bone disease. So this is what you're seeing here. It's expressed as incidence of the tumor with, in the control diet, 90% um, have no evidence of tumor. In the high-fat diet, 90% have evidence of tumor and 50% of them have evidence of tumor and bone disease. 
But what's more important is that when we did the same experiment, and this is a mark, so this is looking at tumor burden here. So again, high fat diet increases tumor development within bone. If we remove this high fat diet um, two weeks or so after the tumor cells have been inoculated, so we know they've developed tumor, if we remove it, the tumor burden is reduced, which gives us hope for dietary interventions in this approach as well. So I realize it's been a complete overview, but what I hope I've done is give you an idea of the problems involved in cancer-induced bone disease, how we're trying to solve them. We have a number of angles, all of which are essentially targeted around understanding these relationships here and how the tumor growth is so pre prevented. And absolutely, finally, I just, these are all the guys that do it because it's not just me up there working in the lab doing all of this. And actually, all these ones here in red are Teddy Hall, um, students, either DPhil students or undergraduates. So thank you for your attention. <laughs>